Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. The plot is vivid. This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino and this is Real Everyday People. So I want to say thank you to everybody who's been sharing, who's been subscribing, who's been showing love and showing support. Thank you. I appreciate you. A big shout out to everybody who was able to show up at the expungement fair at the DHTC on September 20th. Everybody who got their records expunged, good for you. Um, we're here to help the community be able to break down barriers and build bridges and hopefully to you know be able to evolve, You know, help people be able to get some housing and uh, you know to get some jobs out there. Um, Shout out to the Lions, Detroit Lions. They did their thing. I know it's a you know love hate relationship. It's a roller coaster when you're a Lions fan, but uh, we're doing good, man. And uh, I'm gonna stick with it. Always representing for the Lions. Um, been a busy, hectic week for me. Uh, yesterday I got a lot of good rest. Today I had the day off. Use me a little PTO time. You know what I'm saying to be able to catch up on everything else, laundry, house chores, and all that good stuff. But uh, I feel very accomplished, man. Today uh, we got a special guest today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very honored to have her here and to be able to share her story. A lot of people know her and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that she's here to be able to represent. Uh, we have Tammy from Tammy's Patties. How you doing, Tammy? Nice. Nice to meet you. Glad to be here. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, uh, it's crazy because, you know, as I'm, you know, posting the flyer for, you know, for you to come on the show, like, you know, I'm seeing all these comments, all these shares, like so many people know you, got love for you, love your burgers, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, really excited to have you here to be able to share your story with the rest of the people. Thank you. Yep. So uh, you want to tell the people a little bit about who you are and where you're from? My name is Tammy. I'm from Southwest Detroit. I was born and raised there. I'm a single mother of three kids. I always like to cook. Cooking is my thing. I've always dreamed of owning my own business, but never could take a chance because I had kids. Mm-hmm. But now my kids are grown, so I decided to take a chance. Okay, now it's time for you to do what you want to do. Yeah. So you yeah. had three kids. You got boys. You got girls. I got two boys and a girl. Okay. What was that like? That was an experience. Hold on. You <laughs> said you got two boys and a girl. And then when we talked, you were telling me how you were raised by a single mother. And there was two boys and a girl. Yes. So talk about... <laughs> repetitive talk about you know what oh I'm saying? yeah it was a, a journey both le- both styles wow like my mom was a single mother of three mm-hmm. i have an older brother and a younger brother my older brother liked to play baseball my younger brother just liked to tag along okay and then like my kids they all like to play baseball basketball football so they're very active in sports yes okay that's good where do they get that from they get it from me. I played basketball and baseball, too. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. okay. That's cool. What schools did you go to? I went to Harms, Wilson for a little while. Then they bust us over to Mark Twain and then Southwestern. Oh, okay. So what got you into the sports? I don't know. I just, probably my older brother, he played baseball. Oh, so. okay. That's cool. That's cool. And then, too, probably you get to get out of class when you're playing something. <laughs> Uh, that's funny so what was it like you know having two brothers like were you in charge were they in charge did they rough you up did you rough them up how did it go 
Oh, we roughed each other up. <laughs> but they know who was the boss. I'm okay. the only girl, so who are they yeah. going to believe, the boys yeah. or the girl? No doubt about <laughs> it. Yeah. So tell me some of the things that you learned from your mother being, you know, single and raising three kids. Like, what are some of the things that you learned, you know, from, from you know, her skills? Well, she taught me to never give up, to always go after whatever you want. If you want it bad enough, you will get it. Mm-hmm. She taught me how to be respectful to my elders and to be good to others and just to be a, a good person in general. That's I mean, beautiful. That's great. I will help out anybody if I can. When I lived on Rowan, I used to cook for two elderly <clears throat> neighbors and send food down to them every day. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a blessing. You are definitely a blessing for them. That's but. great. You know, my mother, she raised me the same way. And, um, you know, just to be, you know, a good person all around, always, you know, help people when you can, you know, always uh, to be helpful and to be compassionate. But um, the downfall of that is getting older. You know, my mother taught me how to take care of others, but never really taught me how to take care of myself. You know, and it's not until you get older and um, you start to feel, you know, overwhelmed or you just feel like, um, you know, just like you don't have a source to be replenished. You know, I never know when to stop. I never knew when to take a break and take care of myself. Like I'm literally the friend, you know, who who breaks his back to help you. I'm literally the friend who would take my shirt off my back for you and leave myself without one. You know, but I'm learning as I get older um, how to take care of myself, how to take care of myself and prioritize myself because, you know, uh, you can't draw from a well that's empty. That's you know? true. That's so true. Mm -hmm. But my mom always said, if you're in a difficult situation, just step back, look at the circumstances, take a deep breath and go from there. Yeah, that's hey, that's a, that's good advice. That's a good evaluation. You know, I grew up with uh, only the strong survive, you yeah. know, so with that, it was just like, you know, quitting was not an option, you know, um, and we got through some hard times, you know, but it always stayed in my mind that only the strong survive. But the interpretation changed for a while. You know, when you hear that as a kid and as a youth and an adolescent, you know, you think that, you know, you think that being strong is about either strong in numbers or you know physically fit and strong but um it's about pushing through it's about having the mental capacity to be able to think your way through things you know what i'm yeah. saying and to be able to be tolerant to be understanding to be patient you know with yourself with people you know and um you know these are lessons that you're going to learn from being a good person you know yeah. because a lot of times you know in my personal experience being a good person you know Sometimes we you finish last. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Always get the but shit end of the stick and always get <laughs> fucked over by family and friends. And it's like... That's true. That's you know. true. But the old saying is good things come to those who wait. So yeah. if we just wait and be patient, things usually will work out for us. Man, you so humble. Girl, you make life sound easy. Look at you. Well, I try not to make it sound easy because I've had hard times, you know, mm -hmm. being a single mother. But you also got to take in stride 
and push through because if I'm not the strong one for me and my children, who is going to be, you know, so I could, I always have to be strong, but there's been plenty of times that I laid awake and cried at night without the kids knowing and stuff like that. Just wondering how, how how did I even do this? How did we get that far? No. And and I applaud you and people like you because, you know, unfortunately it's a lot of people who weren't able to push through them things, you know, people, um, you know, turn to alcohol, people turn to drugs, people turn to suicide. You know, there's a lot of things that people have turned to that made them more self-destructive than anything, you know, is because either they didn't have the patience, the understanding or the willpower, you know, what I'm saying to want to push through, you know, for some people today was the end of the end of the world for them, you know. So um, that's why I always try to be mindful of, of the people around me and what they're going through. Because, um, you know, you never know when somebody's at a breaking point, you know, and life right now is very overwhelming for people. The, you know, the cost of living today, you know, gas, you know, going to the gas station, going to the grocery store, like it's killing you. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? And I don't eat even for small businesses, even big businesses. I mean, look, you know, you got. You know, the automotive people, you know, they're on strike. Everybody wants more money because, you know, the expense of living is up. You know, people like you who are running a small business, people like me, you know, I yeah. I, I, I run this as a business and everything's out of pocket and nothing's being replenished. And it's just it's, it's, it's hard right now. It is like I, I went to go get beef for a special order I made yesterday for a football game and just in two days price went up 20 cents a pound i'm like wow mm-hmm. i said please don't keep going up because i don't want to raise my prices yeah yeah and and i mean it's just that's how it's looking right now and then it's like we're not being replenished financially in any way like they're not giving everybody raises because the expense of living has went up you know everybody's you know still getting you know paid i i mean i live check to check you know and um yeah. It's just it's just not easy. Even people who I know who usually have money don't have money right now. Extra money, at least, you know, just barely enough to get to the next check week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't want to get too hard, uh, you know, too ahead of myself because I know that you've had a journey to get to where you're at today. But I do want to, you know, expound a little bit on, you know, how do you survive in a market like this today? You know, being a small business owner and, you know, with, I mean, you know, hamburger buns, vegetables, I mean, beef and everything just being at a all time high. Like, how do you survive? How do you make money? You know, well, I will have to say, first of all, we are a family run business. My daughter and my niece helps me and I don't have to pay them the outrageous prices right now. Thank God, because eventually when we do get going and being a little better, they will be making more money. And they're just still in with us. You know, we go week by week on what our pay is going to be. Well, that's really good. You guys got a good system, but it's great when you got a tight family and everybody's supportive of the business and everybody wants to see you grow and be successful and everybody does their part. Yes, it is. So, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Good for you because everybody doesn't have that kind of support. You know what I'm saying? I'm most thankful for that. Yeah, I mean. And my customers. But mm -hmm. without my daughter and my niece working for the little pay that they work for, 
I'm most grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then I, I imagine, you know, the business can be interesting as well just because you meet so many new people. Oh, yeah, lots of new people. Mm -hmm. uh, there, Everybody's got a story to tell. Yeah, that's dope. That's good. You should build a website. Do you have a website? Well, no. It but I often thought about writing a book from my old job to this to when I started my new business. I can probably make a soap opera. That would be great. <laughs> For real, that would be uh, historical. <laughs> you know, especially with all the history that you have, you know what I'm oh, saying, yeah. in this business. So before we get off into your business, I want to talk about you being a coach. I know you mentioned that you coached basketball. and Yeah, I coached my son's. Uh, fast pitch oh, okay. for two years when they was what nine and ten and then my daughter's basketball team from middle school all the way up to high school okay to senior year so is this something that they enjoyed doing wanted it to do or they just did what mom told them to no, do? no they like to do it to this day my boys still play and my daughter messes around with the ball every now and then okay well, that's really good. Keeps them positive, keeps them productive. Now, is this something they just do for recreation, or is this something that they would like to pursue? They just do it for recreation. Okay, that's good. So growing up in southwest Detroit, um, how do you keep your kids away from the gangs, you know, and the streets, you know, because, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, our people from the you know, from the the neighborhood, you know, eventually, you know, uh, became products of their environment yeah. and lean towards gangs and drugs and everything that comes with, you know, living in Southwest Detroit. And um, so, you know, what what is it that you were able to do, you know, to deter them from going to the streets? Well, I had everything for them at home. My house was the Kool-Aid house. <laughs> we had the basketball rim out in front. We had the little Atari or nintendo 64 mm -hmm. or whatever i had three kids but at all time i probably had 15 at my mm -hmm. house because i wouldn't let mine leave and you know so I, I i tell people a lot of times you know after doing 17 years in prison you know that's damn near two decades you know so from when i left to when i come when i came home like you know things were like completely different you know um i noticed that a lot of people were like disconnected i don't know if it was just because of technology or you know it was just like a way of life like everybody was like i don't mess with people i don't like people i can't stand people um and i know that you know in the 90s most of the gangs in southwest detroit from the cash flow posse to the latin counts to the spanish cobras everybody got indicted they were locking everybody up 30 at a time you know yeah. which it kind of made you know our community very vulnerable i mean they took all the men out of the community you know they they took them and they locked them up and i feel like you know it left the uh, you know the neighborhood uh vulnerable and i feel like the best way for you know the mothers the single mothers that were left behind to raise their kids and to protect them from the streets was to keep them home to keep them sheltered to provide them with everything that they needed at home and um you know i think that uh you know, mothers did the best that they could and did what they felt was necessary for their kids to be safe. But when you see them now as adults, you know, or at least young adults, I feel like a lot of them were used to mom doing everything for them. 
you know, and I notice that a lot of young people today, they don't like to clean up after themselves. They don't, um, you know, cook for themselves. And a lot of them are like, you know, want to be maintained hand and foot. And I feel like sometimes it may have been a disservice to do so much for the for for the child to where the child got accustomed to it and now lacks the ability to do for themselves. Yeah, some children would. Like, I did a lot for my kids, mm-hmm. but I will say, being a single mother, one, my daughter's got a bachelor, double bachelor's degree. My oldest son is wow. a certified roofer, and my other son does waterproofing on houses and drywalling. That is so. Great. I might have sheltered them a little bit, mm-hmm. but they do know how to do what they're supposed to do. Because well, I, I, I kind of taught them that as we went along, mm-hmm. you know. No, that's really good. That's that's great. And then for them to be where they're at today in life, I know that's something that you can definitely be proud of. Yes. Yeah. So um, what were some of the challenges that you faced um, being a single mother raising, raising your kids? Mm, I would say the, probably the hardest part was having to be both mom and dad. Mm. You know, there was very time little to be nice i mean i was nice but you had to be both play both roles so they didn't have that one person that they can go to so our life was like an open book we come in for dinner everybody had their little assigned seats to sit at when it was dinner time we ate at the dinner table and that's where we had all our conversation at you know so I don't know. It's it's kind of different, I would say, because I kind of had it easy mm-hmm. in a way, but then in a way I didn't because I was just for the longest time just worked for minimum wage. Yeah, you know, and hell, at first I was three forty five an hour. Wow, you know, and That's how do you raise? three kids on three forty-five an hour yeah, how tell me how that's what we want <laughs> well, to know how. thankfully <laughs> thankfully i didn't have to pay for a sitter because my mom lived with me so okay she watched the kids so Shout that out helped to all out, the grandmas definitely you know and i would just say that was the hardest part you know like trying to manage from one week to the next week and making sure that they had the things that they needed and wanted yeah and trying to keep up with some of the other people that you know you want a pair of Jordans or Nikes or whatever it was, you know, I would have to work two weeks to get that pair of shoes. Wow. But I would try to get it for them. Wow, that's an absolute blessing, man. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, good for you and, and good for them. I mean, clearly they, you know, appreciate everything that you've instilled in them and everything that you have done for them. Like, uh, you know, congratulations. You definitely give yourself a pat on the back. And, you know, big shout out to, you know, all the mothers and the women that are just like you. You know, I myself, I was raised by a single mother as well. Um, you know, I was the oldest of three brothers, you know, so I had a lot of responsibility on me at a young age. You know, I didn't really have an opportunity to enjoy childhood because, you know, I was always helping mom take care of my younger brothers and, you know, just really, you know, being a young adult at a young age, you know. I see that in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And even today, you know, today's kids, a lot of them don't get to be a kid. They have to yeah. start out at a young age of helping being the absent parent part. 
which I try to never do to mine. I try to let them just be a kid. Mm-hmm. Do you think you were a little bit harder on your daughter or on your sons? Like, you know, being a mother, you naturally have the nurturing in you. But like you said, playing the I role say of my a sons. Okay. Only because I was worried about them joining the gangs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's why basically I would let them go to a friend's house and then maybe 15 minutes later I would sneak by just to see if that's where they was at. Mm-hmm. Because I was just so worried about them joining the gang. And that's good that you kept up with them because, you know, there were so many kids who, you know, maybe didn't have parents that were so um, involved. You know what I mean? Um, I know people who had parents that you know, were alcoholics, drug addicts, drug dealers, just in the streets, didn't really take or keep an eye on their kids like they should have. And bad things happen to kids, you know. A lot of kids were abused physically, you know, sexually. Um, you know, they spend a night at a friend's house and, you know, just things things happened, you know. And, and sometimes, a lot of times, you know, stories like that get swept under the rug, you know, because it's like, it becomes a social norm when you come from urban communities and it happens frequent like that. But, um, you know, I just, you know, I think that it's great that you went the extra mile to make sure that your kids were where they were supposed to be and, you know, and that they were safe because, you know, kids just like, Hey, I want to spend a night at my friend's house, but you don't know, you know, what the living situation is like with mom or dad. They could be drug addicts. They could be perverts. They could be, you know, alcoholics they could be violent you don't know you know what's going on so you know it definitely is important to know you know the details of who how what why and where and when and all that good stuff oh i never let them spend the night anywhere i might have let them go over to play the night i might have let them go play some ball in Mm -hmm. front of your house Mm -hmm. or go over to the school and play baseball but no, nobody never stayed the night anywhere. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> now, their friends could stay at our house. I was just going to ask you but that. But they couldn't, no, they couldn't spend the night. Yeah. And why was that, though? I don't know. Maybe it was, I didn't feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I just, I knew that I taught them the right things to do. But like you said, I didn't know what some of their parents might be doing. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, okay, sure, you can come over, but... We're going to go to the bar because you guys are teenagers. We'll be back at this time. Mm -hmm. But no. Or arguing or domestic violence. Yeah. Stuff like that. At least at home I knew what was going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's how a lot of kids are exposed to things like that. You know, a lot of times it's not in the house. It's at the house of others, in the community, at school, in the neighborhood, you know, all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, it's it's good that you kept an eye on them and kept track of them like that, you know. Oh, yeah. There's so many families who had multiple kids, you know, and mothers who had to work a job or two jobs or overtime and didn't really have the privilege or the time to be able to keep an eye on their kids or keep track of them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, they spend a night here, running here, running there, and then things are happening, you know, and... Um, and it's just a lot, especially on a single parent, to be able to handle and maintain, you know? Yeah. Well, one good thing, I worked the day shift, so I was off of work at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, you was on their head then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you had your whole life mapped out for you. Everything worked yeah. out for you. Yeah. Yep, that's good. That's dope. So let's talk about Tammy's Patties. Let's talk about <clears throat> where the journey began. 
how long have you been in this business and uh you know what's it been like well i've been cooking burgers for 33 years low at 33 i was at one restaurant hamburger spot in southwest detroit for 29 and a half years i quit july 1st 2020 and i got hooked on burgers during them 29 and a half years. Wow. <laughs> so I wanted a burger so bad and I wouldn't go back to the place. Mm-hmm. So I had my husband buy me a grill and I would go outside every day and I would cook on it. And then my neighbors was like, man, what you got going on over there? So I'm making a burger. You want one? They're like, yeah. So I give them one. They're like, you should sell these. I'm like, really? You think so? And they're like, yeah. So me and my daughter and my niece started selling them outside of my house. And we did it for about three months. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, the health department was showing up. I had the health department, the police department, the building inspector, the fire marshal, everybody. I didn't get into trouble. They gave me a warning, told me I had to go about it the right way. Mm-hmm. And the health lady, Miss Thomas, that came she to shut me down, she was very nice. And she helped me guide me through it because time they came i got enough money to buy this little trailer that i got now mm-hmm. but during covid it was so hard to get it to go through but oh, as yeah. soon as it started lifting up last year we got legit um july 2nd 2022 mm-hmm. and we've been open up ever since and uh, we was in southwest detroit for a little while and now we're off in e-course we're across the street from Great Lakes still yeah, in the bar parking lot, the uh, hurry back. Okay, so you're in the parking lot at the hurry back bar? uh, The address is 3764 West Jefferson. 3764 West Jefferson, right across the street from Great Lakes still in the parking lot of hurry back bar on Jefferson. Go get you 10 burgers and get you some chips and some pop and all that good stuff. It's wonderful. I love it. They taste delicious. Thank you. We make all our food with love. That is our motto. It's my motto. It's always been for 20, 33 years. I make all my food with love. And it's all fresh every day. I roll the meat fresh, and I put on grind the onions by hand every day. I love it. I love it. Uh, do you cry a lot? No, I'm immune to it. <laughs> but my niece and my daughter, they cry. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, we used to get vegetables when I was in prison. Like I was always one of the, the cooks, you know, and I knew how to cook for like multiple people, like 10, 15 at a time. But, um, you know, sometimes I didn't have a, a prep cook to help me out and I'd have to cut them onions on my own. And I'm just sitting there just bawling. And then um, I learned a technique. They said that once you peel the onion to keep it in a bowl of cold water and as you're cutting it, you know, it won't it won't make you tear up as much, you know. I don't know. I don't do that. My secret is you just breathe through your mouth and not your nose. Because <laughs> when you breathe through your nose, it goes through your sinus passages that goes through your tear ducts. And that's what makes you cry. Yes. So, yes, definitely. That's my secret. Yep. Not a secret now everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think everybody can do it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. So um, what's what like... The recipe, um, you don't have to tell anybody the recipe, but um, has it been the same? Well, my guess, uh, yeah, yeah. 
I use a little bit better grade of meat. I okay. use like 81.19 fat. Okay. That makes and, a big uh, difference, though. Then we just use the big Faldalian onions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started out in the Southwest. Um, when you were in Southwest, I, I mean, everybody would always, you know, be it was always promoting it. You see it everywhere on Facebook. I got homies that are, you know, from the neighborhood, Rowan, Beard, Lafayette, Green, all that neighborhood. And they're always like, man, you got to try these. She's over there. She's selling these awesome burgers. And, like, before you knew it, you were in e-course, you know? Yeah. And I was like. That's dope. That's good. You know, coming down river. I'm like, we need more businesses. We need more creativity. We need more food and, you know, just, you know, small businesses to come out and open up shop and, and share their talent and their gifts and all that good stuff. How has business been for you in eCourse since you moved on? It's been great. Everybody's come out, really showed us a lot of love. And it's been really awesome. Met a bunch of new people mm-hmm. from moving out there because I live just like four doors down from where my trailer sits. So it's really convenient for me. Okay. <laughs> but the community is really nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you have a good product, people are going to come to wherever you're at to get it. So. Great Lakes uh, Steel, is it closed? No, they're open. They're oh, open. they are open? I don't know why I thought they were closed. Because I was going to say, I, I can imagine how much business you would get from Great Lake Steel being right across the street. When the truckers come in and out, they usually stop. Mm-hmm. So. so would you consider your burgers to be like trucker burgers? Or um, are they more sliders? It's a slider burger. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Well, one is a bigger burger and one is a just a slider but we do sell a burger burger we don't only sell just a slider burger oh, okay I thought we you sell just no sold see the see we Im- improved the menu a little bit because okay. now we have a betty burger and it's a bigger burger it comes with mayonnaise mustard ketchup pickle onion and cheese and then we have a jalapeno burger and we put jalapenos in the meat and it comes with the same mayonnaise mustard ketchup and cheese oh, and onions wow. so how is that that jalapeno burger that's a good burger. Everybody likes that. That's had it. They've mm-hmm. liked it. So is it hot or is it just a jalapeno flavor? It can be hot. I put regular jalapenos in it. Okay. If I'm making it, it's probably a little spicy. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, my mom, she makes tamales and she makes jalapeno tamales and, you know, they're pretty good. But, um, you know, I guess it depends on what kind of jalapenos you get because there's yeah. some that, are, you know, have you need tissue because your nose is running like crazy. And then there's a kind that's, you know, pretty mild but has a great jalapeno taste to it, you know. Sometimes I think the longer they sit, the hotter they get. Oh, I bet. Yes. You as know? it settles in. Because, like, we don't make nothing. Everything's fresh to order. So when you come, you're going to have at least a 10-minute wait mm-hmm. because we're going to have it to cook it when you come. So like the jalapeno burger, when you when I smash the peppers into the burger, you can put a couple of them in there sometimes, and that thing is hot. And then another time, you know, you just put it. Yeah, it mm-hmm. can get hot. Yeah, definitely. Um I remember I had stopped by with uh, Serenity Atkinson and her mother, uh, Veronica. They had stopped by there, and um, um, I actually just uh, hosted an event for them at the Detroit Princess 
uh, she had a big birthday party, and uh, I remember she was promoting all of Tammy's parties. Yeah, and, she's uh, helped us out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's always got a lot of good positive stuff going on. Um, I've worked with her on a couple different projects, and I just really love to see you know parents pushing their kids to you know be creative and. Um, you know, just to be able to tap into these talents that they have, you know, and, yeah. and pushing them to be positive and, and do productive things, you know. Yeah, I seen that. Didn't she have a like a fashion show birthday party or something like that? Um, yup, yup, she sure did. Yeah. yeah. And um and, and it's crazy because she's only been doing this for a couple of years. She's actually uh her daughter Serenity, they she's been on my podcast twice already. And, um, you know, I'm just, I, you know, I'm real proud for both of them, really, because um, they've been able to accomplish a lot, you know, yeah. and get a lot of support from, you know, from the community and also from different businesses, you know, who who sponsor them and, you know, and support them. I mean, shit, they've shared, you know, uh, Pistons tickets, Tigers tickets. They give us Tiger stuff. tickets. Yeah. and Several uh, times. Yeah. She's given us tickets. That's a blessing, you know. And then I just would raffle, not raffle them off, but like once an hour, we would, I would pick a number between whatever on the ticket. Like if there was 10 people standing there, I could say pick number five. And it, what, whoever had five on the bottom of that ticket would be the person that got the free things. Like, I wouldn't know who ordered it. Oh, I would just okay. pick a number. Oh, okay. And they would win. Well, that's cool. That's definitely cool. So, what is it like um, running Tammy's Patties? It can be a chore. It's mm. an You got something to do every day. But I'm not going to complain because, you know, I like to cook and... I have fun doing it, and I like the customers. I'm a people person. I'll talk your ear off. If you mm -hmm. give me five five minutes, I done took 20 minutes <laughs> of talking to you. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, it, I just love it. So you said it's family-operated, so you work with your daughters, you work with your niece, very family-oriented. How fun is it to be able to work, make money, and spend time with your family? It's great. I bet. It's really great. I bet. And uh, it's good to be able to, you know, teach work ethics and then not only that, pass on the recipes <clears throat> so that, you know, they can maybe evolve or help you evolve in the business. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say they're doing really well at it considering that neither one of them had ever had any restaurant experience mm -hmm. so for them just to jump right in like they've been with me since we was doing it at the side of the house on rowan for them to just jump right in and say yeah let's go for it i was really surprised and shocked but we all get along good and we have a great time all the time oh that's really great um because it's all it's hard to find good help it's hard yeah. to be able to rely on people. You know, there's so many people that, you know, got always got a lot going on or, you know, people are always making excuses. But, you know, when 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 you start something and, and it's your business is something that you're proud of and uh, and you want your service to be a reflection of who you are. Yeah. You know, 
And um, it's not always easy to do that because everybody has their own characteristic traits. Everybody has their own beliefs, their own opinions, their own attitudes, whatever people, you know, are going through. You know, even it's even client, you know, dealing with clients uh, and, uh, you know, customers, people who come to you, they could be having, a, you know, a bad day. Oh, they'll let you, they'll tell you all about their day. (laughs) All you have to say is good morning or good afternoon. How are you today? They'll say, let me tell you what happened to me on my way here. Got stopped by the railroad train and took me 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness. You can can hear everything. Planes, trains, and automobiles, (laughs) I swear. I've had days like that where I'm, oh, got caught by the bridge. Let me take that. Oh, man, now there's a train over here. And it's like... Oh man, yeah. you know, so But yeah, I, I I just like talking to like I said, I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I talk all the time. I I probably been talking my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So with this trailer, like what's next? I mean, eventually would you like to have a restaurant? Would you yeah. want to Okay. I would like to have a restaurant. Just gonna try to start saving and not just sell burgers. Have a <clears throat> always had a dream of having a restaurant, but I didn't have enough money to get a restaurant, so I bought the little trailer in a couple years, hopefully. Or if anybody knows any places for rent, you can always you know look me up and give me the number. Definitely, I'm definitely gonna <laughs> because, see what um, I can do. Yeah, I like to cook. We would have a whole menu be breakfast lunch and dinner mm-hmm. i just I, I just thought it would have been so lucrative for you to be able to stay be stationed in river rouge because there's so many weed dispensaries in there and everybody that's smoking they it's the down. munchies they're hungry and you know although i mean e-course and river rouge is really no difference they're Nuh-uh. really connected but there are because there are policies procedures laws you know different things yeah. that you know but I just, you know, I just think that if you were to go to River Rouge, it would be so much more lucrative because they draw so much um, traffic down there, you know. That they do, but they won't allow food trailers there. I don't know why. That's terrible. I don't know. But down that. at the dispensaries, we put business cards, and we do get the people from the dispensaries down oh, okay. there. okay. And, really like, cool. we got a couple of the workers that are addicted and they tell the customers there, so they come on by afterwards. Well, that's great. That's great. It works hand in hand, you know. Uh, you got a network, you know. So. And we haven't thought about some couple of days. We thought maybe cutting up a burger and just going down and standing and giving them a sample. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> on a toothpick, not a whole burger, but just a little toothpick. And here's a little bite. Oh, come yeah. on Once down. Once they the get street. that little bite, they're gonna want to put an order in. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what other specialties do you make other than burgers? <laughs> Nothing right now, just burgers. Okay. We did have hot dogs, but they wasn't selling, so we took them off. Okay. So how do you survive during the winter season? We still cook in the winter. Mm-hmm. The trailer stays warm, and we're open. Okay. We just plow the lot and come on down. We're there twenty, well, all year long. That's good. That's Tuesday good. through Friday. I was going to ask you about your schedule because I know, like, you guys post a lot. Like, we're open today, but it's only for, like, a few hours. Yeah, right now, because we're short-staffed, there's mm-hmm. only me and my niece working. My mm-hmm. daughter had to take a little time off. So, right now, we're 10 to 2, Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
Wednesdays, we are 10 to 2, and then we'll close and we'll open back up from 4 to 7. And the same thing on Friday, 10 to 2, and then we'll open back up at 4 and work till 7. So you guys get that lunch rush then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. What's that like? Does it get hectic or what? Sometimes it does. Do you pre-plan and pre-prepare for like a... a no. No? No. Okay. When, when, like I said... When you come up and place your order, that's when your order is going to be made. There's nothing sitting on the grill for if it. you come up. I love it. You're not going to get a burger that's been sitting there. It might take, if, if it does get busy, maybe 15 minutes, mm-hmm. but you're going to have a fresh burger. Nothing like fresh food. I love that. So, I love that. Definitely. And it's well worth the wait because we make everything with love. Mm-hmm. So um, I know your sons, you said one does roofing? Yes. Okay. Does he stop by and get his burgers? He comes up out, yeah. He's there every day. <laughs> I bet. I can imagine. You know, he comes by. Hey, Mom, I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Yeah. Him and then my other son, he comes too. Yeah, they're there quite frequently. That's good. That's good. So um, what does the future look like for you? The future looks like... Um, uh, I'm going to build in. I want to build in. That's my next goal is a build in. Okay. And having a full line menu, breakfast, would it have biscuits and gravy and eggs and whatever. Oh, so you, you know. want to go full blown. You want Oh, go, yeah. Okay. Like I said, I like to cook. And when I cook, I cook for a lot of people. Just in my immediate family, mm-hmm. I have 15 grandkids. So. Wow, you got a little <laughs> army. That's a little football team right there. So besides them and my and my family, at like the holiday time, it's twenty five people easily. Wow, and you're the designated cook, huh? I love it. So do your kids help prep and all no, that type of stuff, or do they just get in your way? No, now I'm not gonna lie. The last year, I've been going over to my son and daughter in law's house, mm-hmm. and I've only had to make like some homemade cornbread stuffing and maybe some macaroni salad. Well, that's nice. Gives you a break. I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to host. She wants to make sure. I like to be in control of the cooking. That's right. That's right. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Because that's one thing I do. I I, I like to cook. And sometimes I come up with my own concoctions (laughs) just to see what it tastes like. And most of the time it doesn't taste too bad. So do you mainly make a lot of American food or, I mean, living in no. the neighborhood, did you ever learn how to make like Latino food? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So how are your tacos? Yeah. My tacos are pretty good and I make some chicken taquitos and I can make rice. Okay, I can make good. some hot rice. I can make some Puerto Rican rice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, burritos. Have you yeah. learned any Spanish? Just rice. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's cool. What was it like, like living, growing up in a community with Latino people? It was good. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a lot of good food. I liked when I got to go to dinner to their houses. (laughs) It was different than at my house. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then it's like you hear a lot of times, uh, you know, the. The trucks, the music, the, you know, the, the music everywhere and just the whole culture of things, you know. The music makes you want to dance. <laughs> Whenever you hear it, you just want to start dancing. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, you know, the, the neighborhood is just, um, 
I love where it's at today. You know, I know a lot of people have their opinions on the whole gentrification and all that. But, you know, coming home after 17 years, I was like, like seeing bicycles and scooters everywhere. And I'm like, dog, don't they know like somebody's about to steal these things? And and I was like, how are they going to put this like right on Werner? Like they were stealing the siding off your house and the gutters off your house. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, if you wasn't home, if you was gone too long, you was coming back to nothing. Yes, for sure. And uh, But now I just see things and I'm like, you know, man, it's just really transitioned to, you know, a community that's safer now. Seems like everybody's starting to come back together as one. You know, like when I was a kid... How should I say? The neighbors was allowed to spank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And as the years went by, the neighbors got scared because the parents was hollering and screaming. And it's not that they're disciplining your. I guess we are disciplining your kid, but we wouldn't be disciplining your kid if they wasn't doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when I was young, like parents would communicate with each other. Yeah. You know, they would call, hey, I seen your son or your daughter doing this or hanging here or being here. And, you know, that's how that's how it was. Um, like I said, uh, I, you, you know, you know, a lot of parents, sometimes they work a lot and they just don't have the time to keep up with their kids like that. Yeah. And I think that that's when a lot of kids kind of get misguided, you know, whether went it's, down the you know, wrong path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, following other people's paths or being influenced by other people's, you know, siblings or parents or, you know, different households. Like I used to think my life sucked just because, you know, I, you know, I didn't have my father there, but I had some neighbors and, you know, every day when the father came home, the first thing he did was kick everybody's ass, argued with the wife, kicked her ass, came home, kicked the kid's ass. And, you know, I could hear him next door. And I'm like, a couple of times I would be over there when he got home from work. And I'm like, man, let me get the hell out of here. Run out the back door. And I'm like, maybe my life isn't so bad. Like, if that's what having a dad is about, then maybe I'm not doing so bad. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you just never know what's going on in other people's homes and how it impacts or influences your kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. It looks like, though, Donna, that everybody is trying to get back to that communication with the parents. So that's a good thing. Yeah, there was so much, you know, gangs in itself was something that kept people divided. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Woodmere didn't go by Central. Central didn't go by Toledo. Toledo, they didn't go by 25th. Like, and you couldn't wear them certain colors in that color, neighborhood. Yeah, and, and all that, you know, and it was just it, it was just barriers. You know, and we didn't realize it at, at the time. You know, we thought that we were we thought we was all cool and bad. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, um, you know, we just I guess we just didn't realize, um, you know, what was really going on. You know? Yeah. No, I think it took us uh, took us to look back now to see what mistakes that we made. So hopefully with the mistakes that we made, we don't let our children make them mistakes mm-hmm. but what do you do for like kids who are attracted to the lifestyle though you know even though you may have raised them completely different but they still like you know the lifestyle of the street culture 
I would just say just don't never give up on the child. You know, if, as long as you're as a parent going to be there for your child no matter what and give them the positive that, and reassurance that you're going to be there for them, eventually they're going to look at it and going to change their life. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes they may think that you're against them or everybody's against them, especially if you're on drugs or, you know, the, the gang people are my family. You're not treating me right. But I, I, I think they will all eventually wake up and realize that, you know, hey, my family is more important than what I'm doing now. And I think coming from broken homes is what really uh, encourages guys or just young people in general to get involved in gangs, you know, because when you get into a gang, you know, you have this feeling of security, you know, you have a feeling of, you know, protection, uh, love, brotherhood, sisterhood, all that stuff. But I think that the risk is them not realizing the extent of joining a gang, you know, the, the, um, risks that come with it because it's like the, like the, like the army when they're out there and they're trying to recruit and they tell you all these great things, come join the army. You know, there's all these opportunities. We pay for your college. We take care of your family. We do this, we do that for you, but they don't tell you that when you get there, you're going to be frontline and you know what I'm saying? And yeah. you're, and, and you're going to be the one. That's going to have to shoot the other person on the other side. You're going to have to shoot the men, the women, the children. Everybody's an enemy. They're going to break you down, and they're going to build you up to be able to serve this country, you know what I'm saying, without, without any, type of, um, any type of compassion, you know. And um, I just don't think that it's any different from a street gang, you know. They don't tell you a lot about the risks of killing somebody or being killed or going to prison or having your house raided or having your house cocktail bomb or having your house shot up or just all the things that have come with it. Yeah. You know, you sign up because you think that it's something positive. It's the right thing and, to do. Yep. And you're used to it because you got a cousin or a neighbor or a friend and they're in it. And, you know, maybe you were hanging out one day and something happened and they had your back or you're in school getting bullied and Somebody came to save the day, and now you want to be a part of that, you know what I'm saying? Or, or just having a lack of, of, of guidance, you know? Or, or, you know, when I had started a youth program when I was in prison, and I, I just wondered why there was such a disconnect between the youth and adults. And, you know, a lot of the youth were like, well, you know, my mom's a drug addict, or my dad's an alcoholic, or he beats my mom, or I sell crack to my uncles, I sell heroin to my aunt, and they're just like, you know, th those are the adults that I'm around, so I don't have no respect for them because they're drug addicts, you know? And then they look at all adults, uh, from that from that perspective you know yeah and um you know because like you were raised you know i was raised to always have respect for my elders you know to always teach you know treat them with you know with respect you know please thank you excuse me you know all that type of stuff and i feel like um a lot of the younger generation really lack that i'll agree to that i think that they're trying a little harder these days to bring that back. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully our future will look better for everybody. And, and I, I can honestly say that it already is because when I was growing up, like nobody, 
nobody that I knew um, was graduating from high school. You know, I never been to a prom. I never been to a homecoming. I dropped out of school in ninth grade. Like, none of my family valued, like, education or work ethics. You know, everybody was hustling. Everybody was grinding. Everybody was just trying to survive and get through the day. None of us ever talked about the future or planning for the future. None of us ever talked about family vacations or 401ks or none of that. Everything was just, mijo, we got to survive. We got to get through the day. You know, we got to pay the house payment. We got to pay the bills. And I'm talking about I'm 14, 15, 16 years old living like a grown man, living like an adult, you know, with them type of responsibilities. I didn't really have time, you know, to be a child. You know? Yeah. And the childhood that I do remember, it wasn't all that great, you know? Wasn't a lot of fun? No, I mean by by the time I was nine years old I was all, I was admitted into a psych ward called Aurora Hospital over on Martin Luther King. It was a psych ward for kids. So I was there at nine years old. By the age of fifteen I was put into the juvenile system. And by the age of twenty two, twenty three I went into the adult prison system. So I've been institutionalized you know, most of my life since childhood, you know, and um, but for me to be where I'm at today, um, I, I, I'm very grateful for it because I feel like um, it didn't seem like I was supposed to win. You know, I was not supposed to win in life. I was supposed to be a statistic. You know, I was supposed to be dead or I was supposed to be in prison forever, you know, and I was able to overcome all of that. Yep, and look where you are today. Now you're helping people yourself. Ain't no doubt you, about it. You yep. turn your life around for the better, and you're a better person, and you have to feel better within yourself for everything that you did. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I'm, I'm, I'm driven by purpose, and I'm driven by, you know, redemption. You know what I'm saying? Wanting to just redeem myself and really be, you know, the, the good person that I am. You know, people, sometimes they make you ugly. Yeah, don't give me. Sometimes mm -hmm. I can be ugly. Let me mm -hmm. tell you. Yeah, we're all capable stuff that comes ugly. out this month. I'd be like, girl, I know you just did not say that. <laughs> yeah, because people think that because they're having a bad day or going through the hard time that they have the right to pour that into other people's lives. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. You know, you don't know what I got going on in my life. You know, I'm always optimistic, positive. I try to, you know, always bring good energy. And even when I'm going through it, you'll never know it because I'm not. I just smile. Mm -hmm. I keep it pushing. But some people, when they're going through it, they want the whole world to know about it. And they want you to feel their pain as well. You know, and that's yeah. why it's important to be able to protect your peace and protect your mental peace. Exactly. Because people will invade your space. They will invade your peace. And in they your will, mind. They will, they will put all their baggage on your front porch. If you let them. If you let them. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I had to learn how to create them boundaries because I didn't know that. You know, when I love, I love unconditionally. You know, I didn't discriminate. I just knew how to be a good person, you know. And um, but I know it's important to be able to have boundaries and have limitations and you have to be the one to, to draw them lines. You know what I'm saying? Because if you allow other people or you, you wait for them to do it, they're just you gonna, might be waiting forever. Yeah. 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 Or yep. they might just keep taking advantage of you. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, definitely. You got to not pick and choose, but you eventually learn the ones that 
are going to be there and truly be there or in the ones that are just going to be total fuck ups and not care. Absolutely. And, and being in prison really taught me the difference between circumstantial and unconditional love and support. You know, um, going to prison taught me a lot, you know, about myself, about life, about people, about love, about family, about friendship, you know. And um, and when you go to prison, it's like you have to literally um, it's a world of its own and you have to disconnect yourself, your thoughts, your emotions, your opinions and everything from the outside world if you want to survive inside. And that's where a lot of men suffer. A lot of people in general suffer when they're in prison because they don't know how to let go. You know what I'm saying? You have people still trying to in prison, still trying to control things at home. I don't know. Yes. You know what I, I'm I, saying? Yeah, I know about that. Yeah. And it's like. Listen, man, do your time. I'm, I got this. You know, I'm handling this. I got to, you know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes th the gentlemen or men that are in prison, they just have to trust the other person that's on the outside and, and believe in them that they are being faithful and truth to you, even though if you believe that they're not. Mm -hmm. Because there is some women that would be. Yeah, yeah. Because I know one that was. yeah. Yeah, I know a few. I knew some guys who were lifers doing natural life. Didn't know if they'd ever come home, but they had some women that were diligent, that supported them, that loved them, that visited them, that bought them secure packs and put money in their account and all that type of stuff on top of taking care of the kids and everything else. So, you know, I've always had uh, uh, so much respect for women because I've seen so many women do amazing things and then coming home and seeing women where they're at today in this world. Like they, they are really uh, standing up, you know, they are involved in politics. They own their own businesses. They got their own money. They got their own cars. Like I'm like, that's dope, you know, to see women, um, get what they deserve you know yeah i like to be treated side by side i don't want my man in front of me and i don't want to stand behind him mm -hmm. when we stand together as one and when we stand together as one we get a lot more done oh yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent. and um and, and and it's important to have a partner and be on the same page and have that you know good open communication and understanding and it, it's it's healthy to be able to check in with each other and make sure that we're still on the same page and we got the same goals in mind yes you know i totally agree because sometimes people do change sometimes people's interests change or their ideas change and things like that and sometimes people grow apart you know and it's important to know that though yeah but if you are continuously talking about your situation and fixing it or moving doing more things together and just being one instead of listening to what everybody has to say mm. well he said she said this one did this and that one did that and half the time that shit ain't even true mm -hmm. you no, might have definitely. said one thing to one person and then it done went to 10 different words that you never even said the time you get back to the story it's like Ain't none of that was what was even said. So, um, you know, I facilitate uh, a communication classes out here 
But I originally started when I was in prison. I used to uh, facilitate effective communication and all the components that come with that. A lot of people think that communication is speaking. It's not only speaking. It's articulating yourself. It's listening. It's listening with the mind. It's listening with the heart. It's being an attentive listener, uh, speaking uh, physically like me. I talk a lot with my hands sometimes. I do too sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, all them things are very vital, though. They all send a separate message. So it's important, you know, to be an effective communicator. And, uh, you know, because I I just feel like um, communication does bring about, you know, understanding with people. Yes. You know, and I think that a huge gap in people not communicating is what causes a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of violence, a lot of mishap you know and unfortunate situations that occur today yeah. P- i mean people literally get killed because they don't know how to communicate with each other you know you see people in road rage incidents and i mean it's a scary world today you know my my wife she just uh went to work yesterday and had an incident with a guy in a truck and he just he almost tried to run her over and cussed her out and and he was in the wrong you know and it's like, how do you deal with hostile people? I mean, and then people got guns today. Everybody's quick to pull a gun. And, and it's like, you know, is it safe for me to? I, I want all the women in my life to have guns because I feel like I want them to protect themselves. But at the same time, I'm like, everybody's got guns. Yeah. You know, and it's like, is that the real answer or, you know? I don't have one. My husband wants me to have a gun, but I, didn't, I just don't feel comfortable with one mm-hmm. i mean if if i have to have a gun then i just i don't know i just mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable with it i'm not saying i would never get one mm-hmm. but me myself i don't think i would ever shoot anyone mm-hmm. unless you was gonna hurt my child or my mm-hmm. grandkids then i will hurt you <laughs> yeah but definitely. like Somebody going to come up and want to rob me. I'm going to give you some burgers. You take the cash register. How many burgers you want to go? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. not going to be like, no, hang on. I'm going to shoot you. You're not getting my money. Take all that money. I don't care. It can be replaced. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know? Yeah. And even like the hostile road rage people, I just smile at them. I think that makes them even more madder. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> Man, you're so humble, man. Just talking to you, you're just so easygoing, I swear, man. That's I really try to good, go though. with the flow. That's what I always say. Just go with the flow. Go with the flow, definitely. I've been saying that for a long time. Yep. So, so. Tammy, tell them where they can find you, where uh, you know, any of your <clears throat> platforms where they can reach have, out to you, contact you, all that good stuff. We have a Facebook page, Tammy's Patties. We are located at thirty seven sixty four. West Jefferson and E-Course. The telephone number is 313-721-5602. You can always call in your order and we would have it ready. Right now we're only doing cash and cash app. And and all our food is made with love. Come check us out. Go check her out, man. Listen, if you haven't been there, go there. And if you've been there, Go back again because they are delicious. You will not be disappointed. Nothing like fresh food. Nothing like supporting local business. I love it. I applaud you. I support you. I respect you. All that good stuff. Um, So make sure you definitely go ahead and stop by. 
before I close out, definitely got to send my shout out to my brother, bro, at L.A. Landscaping. Um, big shout out to Edward Martell. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, for coming to the expungement fair and um, and, uh, you know, sharing your time. Uh, big shout out to Danny Reyna and um, <clears throat> and his uh, concrete construction company. Um, thank you. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Everybody be safe. And we'll see you next Monday with another awesome guest. Peace out. This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.